Hey there, it's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 81. Welcome, we're the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Thanks for listening. Well, last week on the show, I had a great interview with Dushan Zarish, and uh, we had a great response to that. Tales of the Cocktail promoted it on Facebook and Twitter, and if you're a new listener from that, welcome. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and as I said, we're the podcast that talks about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Uh, today on the show... Uh, well, while I was at Tales of the Cocktail this year, I went to a lovely party thrown by a few spirits and met a great lady named Allison Moratis, and uh, we had we set up a chat, and uh, I interviewed her, and that'll be uh, the bulk of the show today. So, uh, and uh, like I said, she's from Few Spirits. They make great gin, um, a rye, and an awesome bourbon. They're located just outside of Chicago, and uh, also I got a chance to talk to the master distiller. Paul Halico, and uh, I spoke to him on the phone. I talked to Allison on Skype and then Paul on the phone. But uh, we had a nice chat and uh, made a, talked about spirits and talked about tales of the cocktail and talked about cocktails. So I'll be playing that for you in just a minute. Oh, before I get into that, I want to tell you about uh, my new project. Oh, I'm making some orange liqueur, and uh, boy, is it good. It's, uh, you know, a replacement for Gramonier or Triple Sec. I mean, I, I made some uh, drinks recently with Triple Sec, and they were just not good they were not good and uh you know i started trying to figure out what the problem was and i boiled it down to the fact that the triple sec is just crap for lack of a better word and um so i'm thinking well can i make my own somehow so there's this thing called the internet where you can find out anything and uh yeah there is you can make your own and it's not hard at all and i'll tell you what it came out great it tastes better to better than gramonier to me and uh i priced it out it's cheaper and fresher and it's uh, delicious and it's impressive you know you put that bottle behind your bar with uh, some it's made with uh, orange peels and um, I dried some orange peels in the oven with a little sugar on top uh, the recipe I was following called for bitter dried bitter orange peels which I guess is something that's used in a certain type of beer when you know sold um, you know home brewery kit kind of websites will, will sell you that. I was like, oh, yeah, it seems like I could dry my own orange peels. Maybe they're not bitter, but uh, anyway, I used uh, about half and half the dried orange peels that I made and uh, fresh orange peels. Marinate that in uh, half vodka, half cognac. And uh, it's supposed to go for like 21 days. Uh, I broke into it a little early. <laughs> and uh, you add some cloves and then some simple syrup. And uh, boy, is it, is it good. And uh, so I made some margaritas with uh, fresh lime juice and my homemade orange liqueur. And uh, I just blew some people away with that. They were, they were, <laughs> they were like, this is a margarita? This is unbelievable. I never had anything like this. So they were... Uh, you know, it's it's impressive. You know, you put that up on your bar, like I was saying. With the with the, uh, I used an old uh, bourbon bottle, and uh, took got the label off of it, and put the orange peels in there. It looks really cool behind the bar. I can't leave those orange peels in there forever because they're gonna change the taste. Uh, you know, eventually. Longer is not always better, I think, when it comes to uh, infusions. But it came out a beautiful orange color, and it's and it's getting even more orange. So uh, I'll try to uh, remember to put up recipe on my website. Um, the website, by the way, is bartenderjourney.net. And uh, while I'm talking about this stuff, you can like us on Facebook at Bartender Journey Podcast. So, uh, 
you know how to do it, right? Go to, go to the search box. Search for Bartender Journey within Facebook, and you'll find us there and like us. And uh, I've been posting stuff like, uh, for instance, the video of my interview with Deshaun. Um, you can see it as well as hear it on the Facebook page. So like us. All right, let's get into that interview with Few Spirits. Allison, how are you? Nice to see to hear you. <laughs> yeah, nice to see hear you as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we met at Tales of the Cartel. It's a great uh, few event. That was a really fun event. Yeah, that it was so casual and lovely. It was a nice little recluse from the craziness that is Tales. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I forget the name of the of the venue. Can you remind me? Um, yeah, actually, it's uh, one of our owners, Todd Paul. Um, his condo, his apartment. Oh. That okay. he lives in, so we just were in the little patio area there. Ah, very cool. <laughs> yeah, away within the quarter, right? Yeah, it was like a little, uh, a little oasis away from everything else. It was so nice. Yeah, yeah, it was so nice to meet you. Yeah, same here. And uh, we had some very nice cocktails. Yes, <laughs> it definitely took a little planning on my part. We didn't have all the ingredients that were anticipated, but. Uh-huh. That's right. That's the life of bartending. You make do with what you can. Exactly. <laughs> Forage around and find find some ingredients. Yeah. Yeah. This will work. Yeah. yeah look exactly. at that. <laughs> so, what were we drinking that night? Can you remind us? Yeah. So, um, we were featuring our American gin, um, which was one of the original products we started out with back in 2011, mm-hmm. um, as well as our bourbon. Um, we had a couple other of our products there just to sample out and taste as well. But I was playing around with the idea that I knew it was going to be super hot and humid. So I was trying to keep it refreshing. Ginger beer and pineapple, citrus, mint, um, a little bit lighter, lighter uh, fare. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was It was just a thing for a hot summer night. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad you enjoyed yeah, it. It was. You guys have, is it three different gins? We have three, yeah, which I, I think is so much fun. Um, I know our whiskeys are, are really popular and definitely our best sellers, but I have to say our barrel gin is one of my, my favorite products. Um, we were featuring that in one of the cocktails as well. Yeah, the, and that's a funny, uh, that, that's popping up more and more and more these days, the barrel-aged gin. Yeah, um, it, really, it really was a total accident, honestly, um, back when Paul was trying to create the original recipe for our American gin, our standard gin. Obviously, there's so many trials and errors, right? There's a yeah. million different botanicals that you can choose from, and there was a lot of trial and error, um, and he kind of, ended up impromptly uh, just barreling a batch. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had it under a table at one of the events we were working. People kept coming back and like, hey, can I try that stuff that's under the table? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then the problem then was, of course, trying to duplicate it since we didn't know exactly what we had done the first time. Um, It's definitely one of our most secret recipes, though. And it's um, my favorite because it really, it's perfectly balanced. And it's it's great for those gin cocktails. And it's great for those whiskey cocktails as well. It kind of rides the line between the two. Yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm, I'm having a little hard time putting my finger on exactly how to use it. But you know what I did here? Uh, you sent me. A f- you guys sent me a yeah. couple of fun samples here. So I thought it'd be interesting to make a Negroni with just Ooh. a um, yep. just sort of a gin that's uh, you know mid mid to low level gin, but then make the same exact thing with your barrel aged right. gin and see what the difference would be. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting to uh, you so know. Did I, you did you try I, that? Story I, or I didn't try it yet, but it's sitting here right <laughs> next to me. So all I have to do is add some ice and stir it up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's um, it's a really simple cocktail. I love that. I actually I tend to add just a little bit of orange bitters when I when I mix it up mm. um, to give it just a little bit more complexity and depth. I think the orange brings out a lot of the spices featured in the barrel gin. 
And I don't always do equal parts either. I tend to go a little bit heavier on the booze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's all booze, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, I thought that would be a fun experiment. Yeah. But, uh, and, but going back to the party, am I remembering oh. correctly that you made a delicious uh, cheese pie of some sort? <laughs> oh, yeah. Gosh, um, that was like a, a, what did we call it? Like a pesto. Ch- it was a cheesecake, but it was it was savory, which is so cool. Um, yeah, definitely, it was good. It's definitely fun to play around with. Um, I'm really into the idea of pairing cheese and spirits, since I know wine wine is such a, a classic go-to. You can really, you can bring out some some crazy flavors within the cheese by pairing it with different whiskeys, which I love. Yeah, cocktail pairings, uh, cocktail food pairings are so interesting. And it's something, yeah. it, it actually came up in one of the seminars uh, that I went to. It was all about uh, educating your guest and uh, and, right. and one of the th- one of the ways to, it, educating your guest, but making a better profit for the, for the establishment too. So uh, that's what the seminar was focused on. And one of the things they talked about was uh, printing up a cocktail and food pairing menu, you know, and uh, I thought that was a great idea. And they, they talked about this way, uh, you know, it, it's all right in front of you and the server, you don't have to rely 100% on the server or the bartender to to uh, think about the pairings, you know, to keep all of that in their right. head. They, they need to know. They need to know a little something about it, but, uh, you know, they don't have to keep all, uh, all make, suge- <laughs> make suggestions and keep it all right. in their head, you know, so I thought that was a, that was a great idea. And, I love uh, that. Yeah. Especially so. since everyone everyone's palate is so different, the idea that you can kind of uh, suggest to people, hey, this this really brings out X, Y, and Z um, in your flavor profile, in your palate. I think that's really enlightening to guests and, and something that as bartenders and, and distillers is is part of our responsibility and is the most fun, right, as well. So Absolutely. You know, yeah. exposing people to new new things is just the, the best part of the business, I think. Yeah, that's what's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading something in the, the Speakeasy book, which is, you know, by the, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, they were talking about, you know, making your own syrups and things like that. And, and this is something you'd be proud to serve, right? You know, are you proud exactly. to serve that sour mix out of the gun? No, you're not proud of yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, especially, and I feel like in particular with few, the flavors that are, that make the product so unique also make it very different, right? It doesn't necessarily work in every cocktail that a standard gin might work in, for example, or a standard bourbon might work in. Um, But I love that. I almost treat them as if they're their own kind of unique spirits and not your broad generalization um, since there's so many unique flavors in it. And that's what we get to do. Then we get to play around. Hey, there's this awesome vanilla note in the American gin and the citrus really comes through. What sort of syrup or infusion can we do that can really highlight that? Yeah. And that's that's high level stuff when you start talking about, the, you know, this particular spirit will work better in this particular cocktail. That's uh, that's really right. where you're getting into a lot of experimentation. <laughs> it is a lot of experimentation. <laughs> I have a whole line at my house and I'm constantly <laughs> buying ingredients. Yeah, uh, trying to figure out, you know, you don't want to overpower it. Part of it is really, really what's going to highlight the spirit. It's not not always about uh, trying to overpower it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking speaking of that exact subject, here I have my two Negronis, and the first one is uh, not not your gin. <laughs> and the second, <laughs> this, and it's uh, I won't say I guess I won't say which uh, brand it is, okay. but it's it's uh, not a particularly expensive brand, but a uh, good uh, good bargain I think actually for what it is. And uh, then I made the same exact thing with the barrel aged in, so I'm really interested to see. I haven't tried this before, so I'm interested to see the difference side by side. <laughs> yeah, what I love too. I mean, especially you're talking about Negroni, but of course the Boulevardier as well. The same ingredients with a bourbon. Um, it it kind of rides the line between the two, and it's. Um, 
a completely different flavor profile just by changing one one spirit. It's it's entirely different. Right, right. Wow, that's a huge difference, actually. Yeah. <laughs> These two, um, you know, the first one's fine. It's what you expect from a Negroni, and the second one's a lot more complex. You get smoky flavors that come through. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, a little vanilla, I suppose, and um, mm, much better. Um, yeah, definitely more complex. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of bars in Chicago play around with the idea of barrel aging and Negroni. Right. And so having a barrel-aged gin component brings out that spice, yeah, the wood, the smoke. Um, you can play around with the different bitters that will bring out different spices, different different herbs and botanicals. Um, it's just a little bit more nuanced. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I when I thought about a Negroni with a barrel-aged gin. I thought about the uh, barrel-aged, you know, house-made barrel-aged ne- right. Negronis. And, uh, of course, it's people- the same concept, yeah. Yeah, and it makes it a little uh, quicker to make. So, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're all about efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, that's big with Manhattans as well, the barrel-aging. Yes. So, um, hmm, interesting. So, yeah. I, I hmm, maybe I'll just put a dash of orange bitters in this as you yeah, suggested. Yeah, I feel like it just opens it up a little bit, um, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Speaking of bitters, have you tried the basement bitters from uh, Tuttle Hill? No, I have not. Oh, they're so good. Really? <laughs> That's uh, Do you know Hudson Whiskey? Yes. Uh, yeah, and uh, so, yeah, they, they make it there at the same place. And um, Oh, I'm sure it's, it's divine. It's, it's awesome. It's really great. I love bitters. I'm reading a book on bitters right now. Is it uh, Brad Thomas's book? Yes, it is. Yep, I read that, and uh, wow. I I tend to run into him at these uh, all these events. I saw him at Tales of the Cocktail. Oh no way! And Manhattan Cocktail Classic. I saw him oh, there as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what's so great about Tales. I like. I mean, it was my first year. Oh. Such an amazing experience. Ah. Um, the the fact that it's so we're so casually walking amongst yeah. some of the world's. Most talented bartenders, mixologists, distillers, restaurateurs, and that you could just not, you could not know. You're literally just drinking a frozen Irish coffee next to them and, and they could, they could be, you know, the owner of Diageo, you know, who knows? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, once you immerse yourself in this world, you realize, you know, some of these people, uh, you know, from Dale DeGroff and Duchamp and, and, you know, all these people are, you know, they're celebrities within this, this world anyway, you know, to, to us. Right. (laughs) And, uh, you know, did, did you go to any of the duo events, you know, about those? That, that, I think that's a new thing this year at Tales. But, uh, well, people like uh, Jim Meehan or Dushan Zarek or Dale DeGroff or David Wondridge will actually make you – they're behind the bar for like two hours. Oh, and, that's right. And they, um, they will actually make you a drink, and it was amazing. It was King, Kingfish. There was two or three of them every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's just the greatest thing ever. It was amazing. I mean, you know, to have Dushan Zarek – personally make my, uh, me, me a drink. Yeah. It was incredible. You're like humbled, right? You're like, uh, I, oh, so but he was so humble. You know, I was like, man, I, you know, I've been to employees only. It's like my favorite bar in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, thank you so much for saying that. You know, I really appreciate it. He was so humble and, like, and no, so nice. <laughs> no, thank you. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> but the drink, you know, it, you met my wife down there and, you know, yeah. she's not in the business at all. But when Dushan made that drink, she's she's like, this is something special right here. <laughs> oh, right. You can just tell. You can tell. And then we went, yeah. And then we went to one that Jim Meehan was doing too. So he made us a drink too. You know, these are not things you get to experience every day, having these guys make you drinks. I know. I love that. That it's it's almost like this great 
equilibrium between people where you're learning and you're teaching each other and you kind of don't realize to take a step back that, oh my God, that is, you know, someone that is insanely respected in the industry. I mean, I feel that way about Charles Jolie all the time. And I see him walking down the street here in Chicago. <laughs> the fact that he is the world's best bartender is just like this insanely ludicrous title that yep. is so it's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I even got to sit down and have breakfast with Dale DeGroff and interview him. So that was pretty neat. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what did he order? <laughs> uh, we had eggs. I don't know. Okay, it was pretty eggs. early in the morning. Okay, yeah. <laughs> It was like nine o'clock in the morning. We were both a little hazy, you know. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> attempting an interview that early at Tails. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was his. It was his idea. So who was I to say no? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he had. You know, he had. We we both actually had action-packed days. You know, full full schedules. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you want to walk us through the four um, samples that I have here? Starting with sure. Yeah. So yeah. which ones do you have? So, starting with the um, American Gin. Great. So the. American Gin, um, the, the white whiskey was actually our first product back in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, that is distilled twice. It is the only product we have that uses wheat um, in it. When we're making that, we run a, run, run a distillation. We, we flash barrel it, obviously, as the white whiskey product. Um, when we are making the American Gin, however, we only run one run of the white whiskey and then run it a second time through our separate gin still. Um, the American Gin is 80 proof. It has this white whiskey as its base. Most gins tend to have a neutral base or a vodka base, essentially. So this is going to be a little bit richer, creamier mouthfeel. Um, definitely juniper, but it's almost equal parts of all the botanicals as opposed to that immediate pine sort of evergreen flavor that you tend to get from a juniper-heavy um, spirit. This is definitely juniper, lemon peel, orange, uh, lavender. We add some of our own Cascade hops that Paul grows himself. Yeah, I read um, about that. And, yeah, isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. Um, and vanilla, definitely. So I get like vanilla citrus notes and juniper, but it it's such a different taste. And I, I love when people tell me they don't drink gin or they don't like gin because I really encourage them to try this guy. Um, I feel like everyone has a has a story like why they don't drink gin anymore, yeah. you know, some bad uh, college yeah. experience with, with bottom shelf spirit, right? Right. Um, but no, this, it's it's a totally different different taste. And it, I almost think it um, tastes a little bit more like a Jennifer almost, a little bit richer and creamier. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really fun to play around with because it, it's a more unique flavor that you wouldn't, you might not expect from a gin profile. Yeah, well, you definitely get a, a corn whiskey um, on, the, on the nose. I mean, yep. it, and it says here in the notes that it's made from a bourbon mash. I've never seen a gin described that way. So yeah, that's what I mean by whiskey based. Right, so if right. the white whiskey is corn, seventy percent corn, twenty percent right. wheat, ten percent malted barley. Mm -hmm. If we were to barrel that guy, it'd be a weeded bourbon. Right. Um, so as we distill it through our gin still, it, it ends up having that kind of white whiskey base, essentially. So yeah, you can definitely taste the grain. And that's something that you can taste across the board in our spirits. And it throws some people off, right? You're not yeah. you're not sure what you're tasting. It doesn't mm -hmm. taste like everything, everything else. Um, and that's exactly what Paul was going for. He does not want it to taste like some other great products that are already available. He really right. wanted something unique. Interesting that gin is um, distilled once and then it's distilled again with the botanicals. Am I describing that correctly? So it, we actually distill the white whiskey and mm -hmm. then we redistill it. We macerate in basically a big tea bag um, with all the botanicals. And that's when we are running it through the gin still. The, yeah. That's a pot still, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. With a column still attached to the top. 
Mm-hmm. There's there was something in, in here about a um, I highlighted it here um, a hybrid still. Now what's what is that? Essentially, that's the idea that it's the pot and the column together. Oh, okay. Um, our stills are all Kota, handmade in Germany. Beautiful, beautiful products that were designed for our specific use. And not a lot of small distilleries have a separate still specifically for gin. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something we wanted to do so as to avoid having to do really, really harsh chemical um, washes between gin and whiskey. Since, as you know, gin, super botanical, herbal, and floral leaves behind all these great oils um, in the still. So we mm. almost kind of get this this seasoned cast iron skillet, basically, um, that we get. We don't have to do really intense cleans between. We want all those flavors kind of macerated together. Oh, interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard uh, Yeah, that, that word oil comes up uh, a lot when yeah. you talk about gin. Yes. Interesting. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the three products coming off, right? The heads, the hearts, mm-hmm. and the tails. Yep. Tails product, um, not toxic, but it's where you're going to get a lot of those oils, uh, crazy botanical flavors. It tends to get a little bit more bitter. And part of it is really just aesthetics, too. People don't want to get a clear bottle of gin and see a whole bunch of oil sitting at the top. Even yeah. though it gives it a good flavor, yeah. we're filtering that out um, as part of that as well. Sure. But yeah, so we, we run our American gin, um, our standard issue naval strength gin, and the barrel gin all through that still um, exclusively. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, gin's really, you know, set for a breakout, you know, and it's it's starting to happen. I mean, we have a, we have a bar in Manhattan called the Gin Palace, which is all, uh-huh. <laughs> you've probably heard of it. It's so, yeah. It's all it's gin. So <laughs> interesting. I mean, there's so many whiskey bars. You you don't see that many gin places. Who would have thought of that? Uh, you know, 10 years ago, who would have thought there would be a bar that, that's all about gin? <laughs> um, I have to say Scofflaw in Chicago um, has done really, really well with that. Oh, yeah. And it is it is almost exclusively gin. Um, oh, wow. Well, they have a, a very, very extensive gin program, at least. And they, they do some amazing cocktails over there. Mm. So, actually, I'm not that familiar. I've been to Chicago once or twice, yeah. but uh, I'm not that familiar with it. How, how close to the city center is the distillery? So, Evan, um, we're based in Evanston, um, which is where Northwestern University is. It's about 30 minutes north of the city and in a great suburb. I actually grew up here. It is, ironically, the birthplace of the Prohibition movement, which I think (laughs) makes the story just absolutely hilarious. That is. Um, Yeah, the name itself comes from Frances Elizabeth Willard. Few. She was the president of the Women's Christian Temperance Union in (laughs) Evanston. Her house is literally five blocks from the distillery. That's awesome. Um, She's probably rolling over in her grave somewhere. I would think so. As we speak. But (laughs) she was an amazing woman. um, And all all the imagery on the bottles come from the Chicago World's Fair um, in the late 1890s. And um, she was a keynote speaker there as well. So it's kind of this great sort of tie-in. And I love how it all says Chicago without being sort of super overt about it. Right, right. Yeah. I guess this is a statement that says uh, prohibition <laughs> lost in a big way. Right, yeah. We, our sign says, yes, taste why the temperance movement didn't stand a chance. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, but we're not far from the city at all. I'm out there every night. Um, amazing, amazing cocktail program that we have in the city. I mean, as you know, the aviary just won yeah. um, at Tails as yeah. well as Three Dots and a Dash, Paul McGee's Tiki Bar, um, which is a part of Let Us Entertain You. Incredible places that I am so happy that I've had the, oh, the privilege to go you, to. Can you tell me a little about Three Dots and a Dash? I love that. Yes. Oh, it's literally like walking into another realm. You go down these steps, and there's all these like kind of fake skulls around you. You feel like you're going into like a Disney amusement park or something. <laughs> Tot- 
dark, no windows, candles. <laughs> Every single part of it speaks tiki. All the the servers are in, you know, tiki shirts and tiki dresses. The music, the smell, the cocktails are absolutely incredible. I mean, every single one of them has between three and five spirits in it, ranging from rum to whiskey to gin um, that are all are just incredible. Very, very citrus um, forward, just beautiful aesthetically. The the garnishes alone must take take the bartenders 10 minutes, I swear. Um, But every single component down to the glassware is really, really thought through. And I love, I mean, I know they had asked Paul McGee, who is an amazing um, mixologist, to kind of come on with Let Us Entertain You as their, you know, head bar manager, buyer, et cetera. And he sort of agreed to it, from what I understand anyway, so long as he could kind of have his own personal creation. And that's what Three Dots and a Dash is. And I have to say, he he did it perfectly. I mean, it is just one of the most exciting places to go to in the city. Really? Approximately how many people will fit in there? Oh, gosh, 150? Wow, okay. I guess. It's fairly small. Booths, tables. That's and then not that small. I tell you what. I was just, uh, you know, I went to the Milk and Honey. The they oh, right. yeah. they they moved recently. You know, the the original one uh, I had been to before, and I think it's four bar stools and a couple of tables. You know, well, right? <laughs> the, no, it is definitely bigger than that. But, <laughs> but there's definitely room for standing, which is what most people end up doing, right? Not enough tables to see it. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of the high end cocktail bars in Manhattan won't won't don't allow people to stand. You know, they just you know not that not that yeah. it's not that it's a um, aesthetic thing or whatever or they're trying to right. be, you know, snooty or whatever, but it's just a matter of their small spaces and the right, servers have to, to her, right? the, yeah. the servers have to get through and, you know, it's it just doesn't work out. It's oh, fun. yeah, absolutely. I don't think Chicago would allow for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's strong, it's a funny thing because people, people think, you know, they're being snooty or uppity or whatever, right. but, you know, I mean, it's I understand why they do it. Oh, absolutely. Um, It's funny. um, Right above Three Dots and a Dash, there's another Let Us Entertain You restaurant called Bub City, which is a Western-themed kind of country music bar. Absolutely massive. Just a ton (laughs) of people constantly. And that's all about volume. Um, And again, yeah, those servers are pushing their way through. I'm sure there are days they wish they (laughs) they had a no-standing policy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was younger working in nightclubs, I, you know, I thought that's how it's supposed to be. You know? right, <laughs> and, uh, exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know there was any other way, honestly. <laughs> for, like, right, part, of, part of the shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Luckily, I was behind the bar and not having to, oh, you know, <laughs> not, you know, on the other side of the crowd. So I didn't have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that's so, nice. So uh, next I have the, the barrel-aged gin. Great. Um, so the barrel-aged gin does have a neutral base and that's something that we make completely from scratch in-house um we don't buy any alcohol product whatsoever Mm -hmm. um that guy has a very limited botanical um number only ranging around six so a lot of gins have tons and tons and tons of botanicals and herbs in them and this is very very small quantity by comparison um once that guy comes off the still we age it um, in our used bourbon and rye barrels, mm-hmm. um, as well as partly in new American oak cask. Okay. And that gives it that awesome kind of golden color. It, I definitely smell the wood and the juniper. Oh, yeah. And then on the palate, you tend to get a lot more of that whiskey flavor, more of the holiday spices. And so I, I love it, especially for people who, again, like I said, who don't like gin, great introduction um, kind of between the gin for a whiskey, for a whiskey lover. It's it's got a great flavor to it, and it's it's almost got a little sweetness to it. I mean, I can yeah, absolutely, and that's that's coming from those used whiskey barrels. Um, 
it gives it so, so much character. I could almost see making an old fashioned with this. <laughs> yeah. I love playing around with it in um, classic cocktails. And um, it's, it's my most favorite spirit to play around with. I just did like a whiskey sour the other day, essentially with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Demerara, lemon juice, egg white. And it's incredible. The egg mm-hmm. white really gives it a nice, rich kind of mouthfeel. I think it tends, I think it's perfect for fall. It really lends itself well with like jams and marmalades and pumpkin and things that bring out that spice um, and just elevate it a little bit. And it's, it's so much fun though to play around with. And then I uh, have bourbon next. Awesome. So our bourbon is 93 proof. It, it falls into the rye, the rye supplemented bourbon category. So it is 70% corn, 20% rye, 10% malted barley. So a little bit of a high rye ratio. It is definitely spicy. You're meant to taste that pepper flavor. We wanted it to be a bold whiskey. Um, and at 93 proof, we want it to stand up in cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeast strain that we add to the end is meant to highlight that spice. So people who are like, oh, I drink Maker's Mark, I'm like, you're going to be a little bit surprised by this. It's not your weeded bourbon. It's a little bit more more intense. It's going to be a little bit more uh, spice coming through ultimately. I, fi- I find the bourbons that I prefer are high rye bourbons, honestly. Yeah, there's there's more on the market than most people yeah. think. Yeah. I guess I, I tended – I used to associate bourbon with kind of that sweet, creamy – rich flavor and there's there's a fair amount that really do supplement with rye yeah um i know basil hayden does like 30 percent, if i'm not mistaken and Mm, that's mm -hmm. that's very very high and bullet bullet has a high ratio as well right that's Um, one of my favorites as well yeah yeah i love bullet this Uh, is awesome yeah so it's it's it was absolutely our most popular um spirit until the rye (laughs) until the (laughs) rye took the award for best craft whiskey of the year so it's one of my favorites um it plays really really well in classic cocktails but I love mixing it in drinks that I think are really approachable. I think you tasted, I don't know if you had a chance, at the party at Tales, I did a, our bourbon with mint and lime um, and simple. So it, it's definitely approachable as well if you want it to be. Good. Allison, Paul just called in on the phone. So. Oh, hi, Paul. <laughs> what? I don't know if you'll be able to hear each other. No, He's on the phone, you're on Skype, so I don't know if we'll be, be able to. No, no. So That's so funny. That was Paul. <laughs> uh, okay sorry so cool yeah I, I really like this bourbon quite a lot it's, yeah it's and excellent. I was I was just saying down at tails um I made one sort of more savory bourbon cocktail and one one that's a little bit sweeter more approachable so it doesn't have to be a scary bourbon um I did just simple syrup lime juice mint shaken over ice um with a little bit of apple bitters and it definitely it has the ability to be very nice, easy drinking bourbon, but by itself, it it definitely it stands on its own. So it's it's a great spirit. Yeah, it's it's um like a little um, maybe make maple syrup and sure um, yeah. Mm, Get that great. This is um, great stuff. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that I can hear the drinking noises. In <laughs> That's how it usually goes on this show. Yeah, <laughs> love it. All right, so then we have rye next. Great. Uh, it's amazing that you have our rye. It is hard to come by these mm. days. <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of ryes are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But there's a huge resurgence, which I love. Oh. Our rye is um, definitely my favorite of our spirits, but it, it pe- many people agree. So <laughs> who, who am I to judge? Mm-hmm. Um, best Craft Whiskey of the Year from Whiskey Advocate. Such a huge honor. We are featured on the cover of the spring issue. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, Four Roses Small Batch got Best American. Um, we won Best Craft 
And literally everything else is Irish and Scottish. So this is a huge honor um, as an American whiskey. It is 93 proof as well as the bourbon, um, the exact inverse of uh, the ratio that I mentioned. So it's 70% rye grain, 20% corn, 10% malted barley. Um, It's going to be a little bit sweeter. Um, We have a wine yeast um, that we add at the end that I think brings out some of those ripe fruit flavors. I get some good like stone red fruits coming through. So despite the fact that it's 93, it's very, very smooth, very easy drinking. I prefer just like a big single ice cube um, on the rocks, but it Mm -hmm. it does really, really well in simple classic cocktails, Sazerac, Manhattan, old fashioned, you know, simple uh, three ingredient cocktails, so to speak. Yeah, this um, this is very nice. The, the the heat comes through a little more than the bourbon. Interesting that there's same uh, same alcohol content. Yeah, and, but uh, uh, that's interesting that you think that. Yeah, this exact same. But uh, that would make it work great in a cocktail and a uh, yeah, Manhattan exactly. Manhattan or whatever. Yeah, um, Sazerac, absolutely. One of my favorite spirits, and I love that rye is is really coming back in the cocktail industry. It really is. It really the follow is. up issue from Whiskey Advocate was all about <laughs> the rye resurrection, so to speak, and. Um, it's such an interesting, interesting issue. <laughs> I was at, I was at a bar with uh, some friends downtown Manhattan, and uh, we were drinking uh, Rye Manhattan's old, old Oberholtz. Yeah. And uh, okay, yeah. you know, we went through a few, and then uh, we ordered another round. They're like, "Sorry, we don't have any more of that." <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but drinking no, it's that. true. You know, it's true. A lot of the, um, a, a lot of the stores even just can't can't keep it in stock. Uh, yeah. So I guess they're, I don't know what their production is, but it's, uh, it's in demand, I'll tell you. All right. Well, it was a pleasure, and I hope to uh, share a, a cocktail with you in the near future. I hope so. I'll definitely let you know if I make it out to, to Nuevo York anytime soon. Please do. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time. It means a lot to me. My pleasure. Thank you, Elsa. Okay, I'll talk Bye-bye. to you Bye-bye. Bye. There you go. I thought that was a great interview, a lot of fun. And I enjoyed having some virtual cocktails with them. So that'll do it for this week. Hey, subscribe on iTunes. This way you'll get the next episode as soon as it's available. And you can also find us on Stitcher Radio now. Check that out. If you're into getting your podcast that way, find us on Stitcher. You can find our website at bartenderjourney.net. You can find us on Facebook at Bartender Journey. And... Um, Am I forgetting anything? Probably. Oh, my email address, vince.bartender at gmail.com. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and I'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to get in touch for any reason, and we'll talk to you next time. Cheers.